Hello, beautiful light-filled souls. I am so excited to be here today with the Southern Bell Medium, who is an evidential medium and messenger of heaven, channels Jesus. There is so much that I want to talk with her about, but most of all, she's had six near-death experiences, and we're going to delve into those. Tamara Richardson, I cannot wait to talk with you, and this is going to be so much fun. So first, thank you for being on my show. Oh, absolutely. I'll tell you what, I am a fan of yours and, and just so grateful that you're out there uh, letting others know about this near-death experience. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And I really kind of think that you've had, since you've had six near-death experiences, yep. do you prefer it over there? <laughs> uh, yes, I do. <laughs> like, you know, I, you feel like a drum roll, da, 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 you know, but um. You know, I think I'm getting a, a tune-up, and I do like it over there. Every time I'm there, I do get a tune-up. I get information. I don't want to promote it too much, or we're going to have a lot of people having a lot of NDEs. So, but uh, it's beautiful. It is. Uh, it is. It is paradise. What I saw. So, of course, yeah. I, of course, I liked it. Are you kidding? It's all about love. I wish we could uh, be more like that here. Amen to that. So the first one, I believe, and I may have these yeah. out of chronological order, but did you have a nail go through your head? <laughs> nail gun? Yeah, yeah, that, you know, again, that just feels like that's followed by a joke. Um, actually, my um, pretty, that was good. Uh, I did have one before that, which I really did not know it was a near-death experience, but I did have a prenatal before that until I, um, was introduced to that concept by PMH Atwater, who talked about prenatals. But I do remember uh, being a, um, I mean, if you want to call it a baby embryo. And I saw myself um, around my mother and I, I almost didn't make it. She was hemorrhaging. I almost didn't make it. And um, I remember seeing the whole thing, being kind of disconnected with the whole my growing body, but actually being very concerned for her, very concerned. So that was, uh, I never, um, you know, it's funny, and these came out, a lot of people go, how did they come out? Well, over the years, they came out in dreams. Eventually, I got a lot of regression on this stuff, and just reams of information came out. So they came out spotty. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, when I was three, uh, I was playing in this antebellum, big southern uh, bell type home. And, um, and it was nice. I don't know what Annette was doing there, but it was under the dresser and my cousin and I were playing hide and seek. And I was bouncing because I was like Tigger everywhere I went. And it was a nail nailed under underneath and it on the nail head and it pierced through my skull. So I literally had a hole in my head two years because when it happens to your skull, you have to let it grow back. But I uh, thought it was water, passed out, looked above my body and saw which to me i believe and know to be true now uh was angel of god it was about eight or nine feet um bright very glowy so bright and i just knew that this was my guardian angel i just knew this um and put the hands over my head like healing it and then i heard and i saw these beings of light popping in there was like an gone with the wind staircase and all these beings of light kept coming in and uh you know of course like how many people did i know at three you know you only know a couple of people at three but there was a lot and then i heard felt knew a voice it wasn't just an a, an oral voice but it was just a permeating knowingness 
it said, this is not your time. You have much to do. And all the beings of light was like, okay, then. And they just started leaving. Um, and so a long story short, um, my, my grandmother ended up on the scene, like, what's going on? You know, my mom was like, shake it off. And my grandmother took me to, did you see your body? Oh, saw my body above. And I didn't really care so much. I didn't really, I didn't really, I was just observing. I was just like, Hmm, isn't that interesting? I didn't really have any emotions. I just found it. I was, I was interested. I was like, Oh, that's fascinating. I was just observing things. And then when uh, they came and got me, I began to come in and out of consciousness. And then she took me to an internist friend back in the day. I mean, she had kind of clout. So they, we went in through the back door kind of thing, but he talked about a contusion and actually some of this are, are recalled in regression. I mean, I literally medical terms and all this stuff down what was going on. But uh, at that point I started seeing spirit people. Um, now I wouldn't recommend if you want to connect with your crown chakra, and to not get a nail in your head it's not really a good way there are other ways that are better but it did it connected me immediately like i was just that that really did so, it but so at three boom. four and five you were seeing yeah. spirits so four was a car wreck um my mom was seeing um this guy she was like really smitten because he was like really groovy looking and hip and good looking you know and in hickory and that was like the deal going on back then him so she wanted to introduce me to him so we all went out together and it was snowing and ice and whatever and they got um he used to be a dj so they went we went by his work and I was, I remember going through records and so forth. And so, cause he said, you can have whatever free you want. So I'm going through that. And then we ended up leaving and they were arguing because she wanted to get married. He wanted to get some more money before they got married. And so he slammed on the brakes, hit a tree and I wedged through the windshield and I was really cold and wet and afraid. And then, um, I was confused about placement of where I was, like my body. I couldn't understand where my body was. <laughs> and um, I literally went down the tunnel. Now, I've heard only 20% go down the tunnel. I went down the tunnel. Like, yeah, I was I just going down a tunnel. And it was dark, uh, very dark, and I'm cold. And then I see like a pinhole light. And at the end, was uh, it got closer to me. And it was Jesus with the print, with the uh, holes in his hand. And then he had people behind him that I felt I knew that were my family, but not any in this life, but yet I knew they were family. And did, he, did Jesus look big and bright the way the angels looked or did he look very human? In this state, he looked, he had his hair blowing back like he was in a rock video. <laughs> I just not, not to make, I am not making fun of Jesus. Okay. But it just reminds me of the, what is it? Ricky Bobby. Do you like the rock star Jesus or the baby Jesus? He looked like the rock star Jesus, but he had the, he did have the marks, the holes in his hands, not his wrist. They were hands. And he uh, said, uh, he told me without words, telepathy with his mind. He said, I had to go back. And when I saw him, <clears throat> I wanted to stay. I didn't know where I was, but I want to be with him. And he said, no, you have to go back. And I said, I can't go back to the life that I had because um, at that time for my mom now was with this guy and he didn't have any money. <laughs> I used to be at a place that had a lot of money, my grandparents. And uh, he was also sexually molesting me and I didn't know how to say those words. So I just didn't want to go back to the, this life. And so my, uh, so he said, 
you can and you will. Like he was serious. He said it like you can and you will. And he goes, but I'll always be with you. Um, and then the year before, a few months before I had a, um, there was an egg that was uh, outside of where we were staying. There was an egg. Um, and I didn't realize it was a bird's egg. I thought it was a ball and I bounced it. And I had just grieved a whole year that I killed a human thing. And someone behind Jesus said, don't worry, we have your bird. It's okay. So to me, that was just like so comforting. Um, yeah, I know. Cause it would destroy me. Yeah. But you're taken care of at that level. And there's so many, there's so many guides and ancestors we're not even aware of. And that's confirmation your story. Yeah. I did not know who they were, but yet I knew them, but they were saying the bird's okay. Cause, but they knew that my heart was crushed. I didn't, I just was like, how could I hurt another living being? I didn't realize. So, um, and then when I came back and I had, um, broken cartilage all in my face. So two, two surgeries later as an adult to keep removing cartilage, <laughs> which doesn't, I don't think I look bad. That's how I, my face was smashed. So did, uh, did, you, did you just have that moment with Jesus and then you were sent back Was and you saw the people? Was it kind of quick like that? What, ha what happened was when I came back, uh, it wasn't really quick like that. What happened is the impact happened and then I went through the tunnel. And then when I came back, that's when it got really cool. Not that the Jesus part went cool, but I saw him next year. It got cooler next year. So when I came back, I was, uh, my spiritual eyes were completely open. And I'll say it in that way. I was looking at the situation in reality as we know it. And there were some kind of country redneck guys helping trying to pull that car out of the, uh, with the chain trying there with the, the, the driver's side, no one was hurt, but me was crushed on the door. And he was trying, there were two guys trying to pull it out with a wagoneer. And yet I was in my mom's arm. I was out of in and out of consciousness. And I'm looking at that and to the right, I'm seeing that angel and it's brilliant and it's huge. It's nine feet and it's fiery. It's got red, it's got red in it, but it's also got gold. And it's, it almost felt like a rip in the universe was open. And then I uh, looked across the street. We were actually <laughs> crashed into a tree at a park. So it was no park open because it was like, I mean, I don't know, uh, 30 degrees. It was snowing and icy. It was a bad day. But I was seeing Native American Indians, um, like a mother, father holding a baby, making fish on a uh, wooden stick. And then I saw a lady uh, with a, uh, looked like a Gibson girl with a tiny waist with a little buggy. And then a guy with a top hat and they're walking through the park. Well, what I'm saying, I'm seeing different dimensions and layers of time happening at the same time that aren't really there. And then I look in the sky and there's a hot air balloon, but then it gets really cool. Not that that's not cool. But then I look to the left and there is a fire station. Nobody's there, you know, bad weather and all, but fire station. And there's all these spirit people everywhere. I mean, like, I don't know, 300, a lot. And they have different time period outfits. And the firemen have outfits on that look like the 30s and 40s. They didn't look modern. And they were very friendly. Um, they were there to help. <laughs> and one lady comes up to the car and sticks her head in. And no one can see this but me. And uh, they're okay. I was the one who went 
right got stuck in the windshield i went through into the windshield because i wasn't in a car seat because they didn't have car seats back then they didn't enforce that and so she leaned her head and she's a spirit person and she said hi i'm judith hefner and she started saying that my grandmother knew her mother and used to go to her jewelry store and it's so nice to meet you and then i heard all these whispers and it was like she's the one who carries her voice she's the one who's going to carry our voice she's the one who carries her voice and then i looked behind and i saw people in our in the back seat and one was a little girl named Catherine. come to find out really recently i found out i never knew that my grandmother because there were so many people in her family had a sister that died at nine or ten years old and her name was Catherine. so i think that was her in the back seat so um but i why this is going on i'm seeing different dimensions but they were uh i could see them fully just like i can see and talk to you i mean it was just like that that is amazing it's much like uh the way children are they're going to experience the spirit world differently but you really had this fantastic moment of seeing different time periods and knowing that we're not alone like we've heard that term many times we are not right. alone it's like you know right. it you know that you're not alone. <laughs> and they were friendly. They weren't like you see on the TV where they show spirit. These were not ghosts. Um, you know, I, I think that this whole concept of spirit, because we are spirit, we're spirit. We just happen to have a body right now, a vessel. But they, um, as spirit beings, like, you know, at night, a lot of people can go, you know, journeying, travel, boom, you know, <laughs> but most people don't try to stay in their body. <laughs> You know, they don't stay there. They're like, Ooh, let me go visit. Let me talk to Trisha. You're like, who was talking to me all night? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I did, I never saw them as frightening. And then the big one that I had when I was five years old, we, um, <clears throat> moved from Hickory to Raleigh, North Carolina, which was, I don't know, three hours, something plus. And, and at that point I was being adopted by this, this man that my mom married and he got a job at a radio station that he was in radio and a, and a, a DJ editorial, he wrote editorial work. Anyway, so we were there and I was still being molested. And I started praying to God, God, um, you know, can you just make it stop? And then I went to, can you kill him? But I didn't really know that was a vicious thing. <laughs> I didn't, cause I was a kid, I didn't know, you know, I was like five, I didn't know. I said, well, if that's not gonna work, just take me, you know, so. Um, I got a fever, uh, high fever. I had strep throat and then I, um, got a fever of 103.9 and eventually it went up to 104.9. And, um, it was, uh, and I remember everything that was on the TV, what was being said, the time, everything. And I, um, was just so, I was sweating. I was cold. Um, and, my mom, she didn't know better. She's trying to feed me. I mean, you know, I, I have strep throat. My lungs are shutting down. She's trying to feed me. I don't want to eat. So uh, she puts me in the bed. Did you, have, did you have the near-death experience when they finally took you to the hospital? I had, I died on the way to the hospital oh, and, wow. saw the, and saw the whole thing. So when um, she tried to put me in the bed and then she went to check on me and I was drenched. So she put me in the ice. I still have remember memories of that ice. That was dramatic. That was awful. I mean, you're, you're half dead. Someone sticks you in a tub of ice. It was just not good. And so, um, but he, you know, the stepdad did not want to take me to the hospital. We don't have money, but we 
my grandparents did that, but they didn't. They waited and eventually she goes, I'm taking, we're going. So we went. At that time, uh, it just happened. It was the same day that Dr. Martin Luther King got assassinated. Well, there were riots everywhere. They had National Guard. You weren't supposed to go anywhere or you'd be arrested. And so he had his um, uh, PR car with the letters on it and all that, you know, you know, WKIX. And so we had to stop at a barricade. And she, he said, my daughter's, you know, she's very ill. So they called the hospital ahead. I died on the way and went above my body and went to the hospital above my body following the car um, and could see the riots going on in the background and could hear the argument that she had because I died on the way and she really cussed him out, you know, really bad. Um, how dare my daughter? Da, da, da. So we get there and people run out to get me. And this whole time I'm out, out of my body, I'm listening to everything. I was never told that uh, I di died. Uh, when I tried to ask questions when I was younger, my, my mom in particular got really angry. Um, and uh, I did not know anything about this. Uh, it came out later in life, just to let you know, and people that maybe they might feel they've had a near-death experience. Some people, it's it's a weird place to store in your analytical brain. So it comes out through dreams and things. I retrieved the rest through regression because I'm like, it was so much was coming up. Well, and trauma too. And I think a lot of children, anytime trauma, any trauma yeah. makes people repress that. So I always yeah. To get a regression yeah. if they had something as a child where they died or there was yeah. you know, a weird birth that it's always important you know you know that's a good point trisha because it's true it was it was hiding under the the, the, the immense trauma and what was going on i was being held down i was just a little person little hands you know and then and i had no way to explain myself and it was just it was just terrible and uh and so with this coupled on top of it uh it, it, it the whole thing was a trauma and so um, you know, going back, uh, so when I arrived, uh, anyway, the regression, I found out the details through this and I actually confronted it in a nice way, not confronting bad, but in a nice way, I uh, asked my mom a little over a year ago, I said, um, I didn't just go to an emergency room because I had a sore throat, did I? And she's like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and I'm like, and I think some parents do that to protect you. And I said, look, I'm okay. You know, I got a bonus. I hung out with Jesus three days. It's totally cool. But, um, but yeah, she didn't want to talk about, she didn't want to talk about that. Um, but I, I literally started describing the events of the day and exactly what happened. And I saw them take the goop out in this machine and this, and code blue, all the things they said, the doctors, how the nurses were in there and they were crying. And one doctor said, I have a daughter her age. He went to my mom and she's crying and my stepdad's beside of her and said, we're trying to get her vitals back. But I don't think she knew what that meant. Like I was dead. Like, and she's like, okay. Like, I don't think she knew. And, um, I came in, they said 15 minutes. I came in 15 minutes dead on arrival, but I don't know how long I was actually out. Um, and I kept hearing Rex hospital and I actually got that verified. And then I kept, and then I, so I would go back and look at my body and be above it and see what they're doing. I would go, Ooh, gross. And so then I'll go out in the hall and look at people. And then I would talk to other spirit pe 
people that were crossing over and go, Hey, how's it going? Which I still like talking to people. I'm like, Hey, you know, not having a body that didn't stop me. And, uh, <laughs> and then there was this little girl that came up to the uh, Lance candy machine and uh, she could see me. And I, I said, Hey, how are you? And we talked for a while. And then I would go back and check on my body. Huh? She was what? still alive, but she could see you. She could see me. She could see me. And then I have other people passing. And there was this one lady, African-American lady. She was very upset. And she, I think she might have been very religious. And she couldn't understand, like, why she's still in the hospital. <laughs> like, why she not, you know, with Jesus or whatever. I mean, you know, look, it takes a while for some people to, like, cross over, you know, or to cognite that, hey, you know, I don't have a body anymore. And she was confused. I was trying to, oh, like, oh, it's okay. And then I would go back. And then when I was in the room, I saw a Catholic, I, I knew that we, I mean, I grew up sort of Presbyterian, I say sort of Presbyterian because of my grandmother. We didn't really go to church, but my grandmother, but I knew there were Catholics, they were holding rosary. And she said, blessed are the innocent. But she was a spirit Catholic uh, nun. And then there was a priest with her and there was both spirit people. But what I believe is that that was their function in life to help children. So anytime that ministry happens, boy, when people commit to something, <laughs> to their job, and there they are, and she said, blessed are the innocent, and they were praying over my body, and I was just observing, watching everything. I really didn't have any emotion, to, I was just observing, and I was very happy to be out of my body. I felt like I was fast as a bullet. I was like, look how fast I am, and I felt so alive and so happy. Did you um, stay in the hospital or did you go out of the hospital? Like what happened beyond? <laughs> well, I was very fascinated by the people at the hospital because I was like, hey, how's it going? How's it going? Oh, don't worry about that. It's all good. Um, so then when I saw them, then instantly I was no longer in that room because everybody was crying over my body. It was kind of sad. And I was watching them and they were there. Oh, oh come to find out uh, a couple years ago, I found out that we used to be a Catholic hospital cool. I didn't know that. Um, so that was kind of neat. So they must've been with the building from a while back, but anyway, so I looked down and this man was holding my hand and I said, um, and now I'm in this pasture looking place just instantly that quick. And it was just that quick. I mean, I was just there and there, here I am. And there was like, it was like no time had passed. I actually don't know how I went from there to there. It was that quick. And he's holding my hand. And I said, you're the man I talked to. And he, and he, and he laughed and he smiled. He goes, yeah. And it was Jesus. Um, Cause my grandmother told me about him and he was the one I talked to. Can you get rid of this guy? <laughs> Can you help me with it? And so uh, he was smiling and he said, um, he said that uh, I had to go back. And I said, I didn't want to. And then I looked to the left and there were um, children playing on a, um, like a Ferris wheel where they're playing a seesaw. They're a seesaw and they were playing. I said, well, they're here. Why can't I stay here? And he said, uh, he had something for me. And I said, a toy, because I am five. So I said, a toy. And he thought that was funny. He goes, no. And he took off his, um, it was a rope belt with twine. He wrapped it on my left wrist. And he said, much is given. And much you'll give and much is given through the small things, the big things would be done. And through the big things, the small things would be acknowledged. And then he said, I had to go back and I begged a whole lot. And I was like, please, please, please let me stay here with you. And this place was gorgeous. I mean, the greenest green, the most vibrant colors. Um, 
there was life in everything. There was life in every blade of grass, every flower, everything. It had so much life to it. And he, he said, no, I had to go back because of my mom. And I said, why? He said, you need to show her what love is. And I'm like, uh, I don't know how to do that. And he goes, well, I know a little bit about something that he goes, there's no right or wrong way to do it. And I said, yeah, but you know, she'll be okay. I'll stay here with you. <laughs> and uh, of course my mom knows that now. I'm like, I'm sorry. It's Jesus. I would pick him again. Sorry. And so um, he, we, he said, well, you can stay a little bit. So what was during this time with my body is that my lung, they got me resuscitated. Don't know how I was literally resurrected. Okay. And then my lungs collapsed. They put me in induced coma. And uh, that's the three days that I spent uh, with, with Jesus, which three is kind of a important number. People know about numbers in three days. So, and three days, you know, funny, he, he, for three days, he was missing uh, this three thing. But anyhow, uh, he, uh, we walked around and uh, in this field and the clouds, the grass, there was flowers, this is the most exotic, beautiful, gorgeous flowers. And the colors, the spectrum was more, but the uh, every leaf and every petal of the flower and the grass and the clouds all followed him when he walked. And I was wondering, does he know that? That's kind of strange because <laughs> they were following him, like everything followed him. And it was almost like they had, like they all had life. And he said he'd answer everything. Were, were the colors really bright? Like. Uh, you know, where the, the colors seem full of life and brightness. Well, well hence, that's why I still like bright colors. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, I love colors and, uh, you know, I became a designer later in life, you know, I was in advertising, I owned an ad agency. I mean, I love colors. I love colors, but yeah, the colors were outstanding and uh, just more colors there than here. And it, and every, and I could just breathe completely. I was more alive than ever. And he said, well, we can sit over here. It was a big rock we sat on and it was in front of this really big tree. Now I felt I couldn't go past that tree or I couldn't come back, but this tree now I believe it to be the tree of life because he said, this tree is very wise. We don't eat from it. I'm thinking, I wasn't thinking about eating from it, but it looked like dogwoods with little red cherries on it. And I said, okay. And we sat there and he said, I can ask him anything. And actually some of this information is still coming out. It's like coming out like crazy. Apparently it's time. But one of the things he talked about is be select in our, uh, with the words that I use, because he said that we, that's how we manifest by our thoughts and our words. And he said, it's, it's the same as in heaven as it is in an earth, but it just takes longer on earth but it's instant in heaven. I was like, really? Like how instant? Like, can we do it? Can I see it? And he's like, okay. So I visualized as being in a little boat and we were in the water and there we were as soon as I thought it, we were there. And then the fish, uh, there were three fish that came up. He picked one up, said, Hey to it. Hey, you know, and then he put it back down. He goes, that's how we fish here. And so he said on earth that whatever we think we got to be conscious of our thoughts because we pull it toward us. So we got to be very careful about how we manifest. And I was like, okay. And then we walked around and he told me a lot of things. And then he said that I had to go back and he said that, uh, but he said that I had a job here to do 
And he had to, he like recruited me. Like I had to say yes. He had to work on me. And bottom line, he, <laughs> I understand you probably know this purpose is probably very similar to yours, <laughs> but um, he wants me to help bring heaven on earth. Okay. And he told me some things he wanted me to do. And he wanted people to know that it's real and it's a place of abundant love and that, that that's the real place, not this place. And, yeah, that, and so many of us feel like it's real the minute we get over here. Like, the theater. This is the theater. We're putting on the costume of our body and that's the reality. It's the real place. And this is just a lab class so our soul can grow and learn, but people have lost themselves in the game. I think there was a book by Philip K. Dick where you could be injected and then go and, you know, for a week or weekend, be a Barbie or a Ken and be an attorney or whatever. But people got lost in the game and he wanted to, for them, he wants people to know that they uh, are part of God, that uh, they are in love and that he wants people to, uh, glorify God within them as a self-expression and to be that love, but they forgot who they are. And so he told me what he wanted to do, wanted me to, to do. And I said, I don't know. It seems like a lot of work. <laughs> of course, my husband goes, you would argue with Jesus, but it did. It seemed like a lot. He said, you know, don't worry. He said, I got other people helping you you're not the only one. I was like, well, okay. If I'm not the only one, he goes, no, there'll be other people with similar message. It'll be like, a, it'll be like a movement. You won't be alone. I was like, well, okay. I have a question. And this is, you know, people ask me this a lot because at 22, I didn't see Jesus in heaven, but I heard be like a little child. Then years later in a cathedral, when I was trying to heal some childhood wounds, I felt his presence come to me. And I know that Jesus works very well with children. You know, there's just yeah. something about his love and even children who have been through great moments of abuse, like as we both have. And it. uh, what do you think that he has to say to children in the middle of that? Like, what do you think he has to say to adults who are trying to get rid of that trauma? Because, you know, some of us are out there talking about it openly, moving beyond it, and some people are still deep in it and, and uh, still dealing with the pain. Wow, that's, that, that is, that's real. I get that. Um, Okay, so first of all, I'd like to make my two cents and I'll tell you what Jesus says. Now, we haven't gotten into it yet, but I also channel Jesus. Um, uh, I'm also a Christ channeler. <laughs> Another thing he wanted me to do to come out and do, very uncomfortable. Thanks, Jesus. But, um, but people that know me know that in readings, he comes through all the time. But, you know, now it's public. Um, and so anyhow, so let me tell you my two cents on that. I feel like with my own four as people that have, are, are going through or are going through now, have gone through, maybe they're an adult, haven't really looked at this or dealt with the, with abuse. <clears throat> I think a couple things where I can stand now and look, the grown me versus the little abused, I'm a victim scared me, um, is first of all, the harsh truth is we all agreed to go through it, not to be abused. Okay, we didn't know that was part of it, but we agreed to help and we agreed, we might have agreed to understand humility and understand the human condition. We didn't know maybe this came with it, but there was a part of our soul that did agree to it. Um, the other part is like a layer of an onion. I think mine's all gone and then every now and then there'll be a little, you, you ever notice that? A little, there, whoop, there, 
yeah. It'll pop up and I'll go, oh my, and every now and then it'll be that little scared girl. It's not a lot. Okay. But I think that's gonna, to, I'm okay. I keep working on this. I've worked on it most of my life uh, about working on releasing hurt. And, and I think the biggest thing now as an adult is that when we see people that remind us of uh, the way we might've been treated by family or whoever, uh, as a child, we see that in life. And I think now it's just honoring your own soul and having boundaries. And that's why, um, matter of fact, I think it was a post you wrote recently and I really loved it. It was like, I've got to actually print that out and put it in a frame. And it was saying that where I, something to the effect that, that you made a post that, uh, wherever you're journeying, uh, that if someone doesn't elevate you or encourage you or show loving support that you can break that contract with that person. I mean, a spiritual or an emotional one, like I'm done with you. Our friendship's done. It doesn't even have to be word said. It just could be like, you are not, you are, you owe you first to, to love you. And, uh, and, and I think just, you know, it not be, not allowing that uh, negativity to flourish anymore in your life. So if I see any weeds in my life, I plug them out. Either I handle it directly or indirectly, whatever's appropriate. Um, what would Jesus tell to a little kid? He would say, I think you're perfect just the way you are. And you come to me whole, just completely whole. And I think you're beautiful and there's nothing wrong with you. And there's no shame. <clears throat> And what would he say to an adult that has been through abuse? Um, the same thing. The same thing. He'd say, he would say the same thing. Uh, he would also say, be encouraged that my father's grace dwells deep within you. So now you understand the depths of pain and what it feels like. Send no more and treat others as your brothers and sisters and give them the love that I give you. And don't be like what you've seen, but be greater than that for there's greatness in you. Walk forward in confidence, knowing you are loved from the most high. That's what he would say. That's powerful. And I really felt that. And, and I loved what you said about how a child in heaven and even the adult in heaven immediately feels safe. I felt so safe over there. I'm sure you did too. And that's why we fight to not come back here because I never felt safe in my life. Never. And there I finally did. And so we leave that safety to come here where people are still learning lessons. And it can be very simple as in, okay, we don't know what humanity is going through, but we, we're trying to raise the consciousness of humanity. And you really put that just brilliant, brilliantly that, yeah, we sign up for this and our soul said, okay, we're committing to whatever society's going through, you know, whatever this family's going through. And it's sometimes a little tougher than we might have seen, but it looks so easy yeah. over there. The idea of darkness, you know, just being a little, well, you're, you're looking at him. He's got those really pretty blue green eyes. He's got that great <laughs> smile. He's, this is a love bug. There's no love. Like you could have all the people you love and the entire world in a room. It doesn't come even to a per, one fraction of a percent of the love he has for us. The love is so good. I could sit here. If I talk about it, I'll be hysterically in tears. It's so good there. I mean, it's un. It's supernatural. We, <laughs> we can both 
cry. <laughs> I mean, it's just a supernatural. It's good. I mean, it's just good. Well, what does he talk about? He talks about, um, you know, I've been, I started this thing. He told me to do it March 17th because of the pandemic. And uh, <clears throat> he wanted me to start giving his messages. And I'm like, great. It was, it was, uh, you know, terrific. Uh, or, you know, it was, it was tough enough coming out that I saw spirit people and, and being a professional medium. This is terrific. Thanks. Uh, and he's, he, uh, so that's sort of coming out, but what he talks about one of the messages, uh, on Jesus speaks, he says, um, that being his soulmates to people, he said, you knew me and I knew you way before you were here. He said, we've been soulmates. And you think about a soulmate and the concept of a soulmate. So much of us are, uh, are out there, uh, trying to find that other person for ourselves, right? If we don't have them already, we're looking, you know, that's, that's an important thing in life. But what are we looking for that soulmate? We're looking to satisfy that emptiness, that hole, that, that completeness. And then once we get with someone that's pretty good, pretty close to that, it still feels empty. Like it's not enough because he is the true soulmate in my opinion, because there was nothing I wanted when I was in his prison. I mean, it was like, I just like, I was complete. I, I, I it's, it's not really a human thing to understand that. All I can tell you is I felt complete and completely loved. And I, I just felt right as rain. I didn't have anxiety. I didn't have, oh, I'm not good enough. Um, what about this? What about that? You know, the things, the crazy things we think all the time. None of that. I felt this is home. This is where I'm supposed to be right here. This is who I am. And I think that's, you know, definitely my message to let people know one of the things, <clears throat> you know, um, far as the, you know, I don't know if you mind me saying this, but the after effects is I kept dying <laughs> and I already was seeing spirit people. You know, I tried to hide that because I was really didn't want anyone to know. It wasn't very popular letting that out in my household. So when it came out, uh, I tried very, very hard. I worked really hard to hide all that, uh, even energetically being different. And then later in life, after, you know, earning an ad agency 27 years, it just came out full, full on. I mean, I was totally called to service on this. And um, since then, now I'm a professional medium. I've trained with a lot of famous people. And this is what I do. But why I do what I do is to let people know heaven is real. Let me give you evidence that your relatives, you know, you know, that pearl, both so-and-so and, you know, that your grandmother, yeah, she's right here. Okay. That pearl set. Okay. And so they know, cause people, they don't believe they're so caught up in this world. Uh, and I like the evidential style. I mean, I like going for the detail of the detail, the detail, like it's a Christmas tree, but the Douglas fir with the white tips. Oh, and your, your first, your first, your first ornament was a Snoop, was a, was a Snoopy red Baron, you know, I mean, cause then there's no doubt. I want them to know that heaven is real, that they're real and that their life should mean more now than, you know, you know what I mean? People are, some people are lost. Do you find, and I know that lots of people really need that evidence, but my favorite calls, and I'm sure these are your favorite calls too, because I think this is what we're being called to do as mediums is have a another person develop that connection because of our connection they're already seeing some of these things they're already feeling some of these things from their ancestors and then because they have that verification with us then their mind opens up a little bit their spirit opens up a little bit more and i've i've talked to the same ancestor with someone 
while someone else was talking to them. So we're both getting information from this person and it just happened in the call. And I was like, yes, this is, this is what mediums are called to do is expand other people's consciousness. Well, yeah. And definitely people, I mean, that's their relatives. That's their loved ones. They're never far away. And of course they feel them, but I think it's validating to people if they're, you know, they'll, they'll come to people in their dreams there. And to me, uh, you know, this is the part that's a little frustrating for me. This, oh, mediums are bad. Well, first of all, they changed that in the Bible in the seventies. It said sorcerer. This is not it. And you can speak to a lot of people who had near-death experiences and people that just recognize their loved ones around. That's our loved ones from heaven. These, this is who I'm talking about, not whatever's on TV and that creepy stuff. These are our loved ones that have crossed over in heaven and they can multitask. They come to us in our dreams. But I think the, the message under that is that love still goes on. Our loved ones are around us. We're spirit too. We just are, have this body. They're cheering us on. Uh, on the other side and to know, look, you can make it, you can get through this life. But if you try to get out early in this life, guess what? You get to come back exactly and do it again. I I just want to, I just want to learn this, get it done right. Because I don't want to have, you know, I don't want to repeat third grade again. Um, But yeah, yeah, it's about the love that love continues. And you know, this, we understand each other because we're both near-death experiencers. We understand that love that was showered upon us, but other people don't. And that frustrates me so much. So people are like, what do you mean service? What do you mean love? Nobody loves me. You know, like, and they just, you know, they have all, I'm supposed to just go around loving people and hugging them. And, and it's so hard for me to explain that it's an energy that you bring from God into whatever you do. You could be painting a picture and you're bringing God through that painting. Yes. You could be singing a song and you're bringing God because you love the moment. You love being alive. You love being kind to people you meet at the store. Yes. Whatever it is, it's that energy of love that makes this more like heaven. And how do you explain this to people? How do you explain how to channel that love so that their life is elevated? Well, I get, uh, it's funny. I do get people that are sarcastic and so forth, but you got to think about, you know, what were you like before your near-death experience? Oh, I was a jaded, cold cocktail waitress. I'm going to call you out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying beforehand, me, it wasn't, I was a bad person, but, um, I was, um, before it really started, I, it was so funny. I will have to say this. I'm going to tell him myself. Okay. So my whole life, cause some of it, and, and this is for people that are not sure if they had an narrative experience, you know, remember that time you had a really bad fever and you can't remember a couple days. You might want to think, you might start looking in that area. Um, but I, I didn't, they didn't have words necessary to call it back then. Now you had Dr. Raymond Moody. It was still very new. You didn't really talk about this, you know, not like you do now. And I would go to the library secretly and look at this. I was obsessed with this topic, but I never cognited. But I still tried to fit into the world and be in part of, you know, um, I don't know if really was clicks, but I tried to be a part of, of the world. And, uh, and then when I had my ad agency, you know, it was, I was selfish. I mean, I don't like saying that word. I mean, I was, I'm not saying that I'm totally selfless, but 
Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I am. Sometimes to my thought. I mean, I just want to give, give, give and help, help, help to the point that sometimes people look at me like, what's wrong with you? I mean, do you just let people crap on you all the time? I said, I'm not letting them crap on me, but it's because you, you know, I, if you see a solution, you see someone hurting and you know, you can do something, but that was not who I was. <clears throat> that was not, that was not who I was. So when did you get the regressions that helped you fully understand everything? So did you work at the ad agency and then you got the regressions and kind um, of put everything together? Well, I had two more NDEs, which were shortly 10 years old. I, uh, I, I'm say drowned, but I was, I, yeah, I was, uh, I was underneath some guys playing volleyball at, in a pool at Myrtle beach. And cause I was, um, 10 and they were like 15 and I was underneath them. I'm, I'm not admitting I'm a pervert, but I was, they were older boys and they didn't know I was underneath them. So then next thing I know, I'm um, up in the water. Uh, I'm first of all, I'm seeing in, in the water. I'm look. well, I'm hearing like multiple, 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 uh, hundreds of angels. And the, and it's like the horizon opens up in the water. And I thought, crap, not again. And then next thing I know, I'm, choking up water some lifeguards getting water out of me and um, my mom's going what happened now <laughs> and then when I was 28 I had a um, reaction to one pill it was like a for menstrual migraines it was just one pill and I uh, walked straight out of bed I couldn't talk I couldn't get motor skills I couldn't wake up my husband and I go and turn on the tv and then I sat down and it went silence I knew what was next I wouldn't care and um and all the furniture and everything in the house turned into white lines, lines like the matrix. And then I was in the galaxy and I wasn't male or female. So I, I didn't reach, I don't think a higher level at that point, like going to paradise, like to heaven. Like if you cross that tree, you're not coming back like that, that really far. This one was kind of some galaxy um, place. And um, it was, it was just a different d dimension, but I took my finger and I poked myself into my body till I came back because I thought, oh, I didn't take that much. It was not like my head's cut off. I can, I can get, I can come back. I can come back out of this. Um, I think working, honestly, I think there's a parallel. You know, when did I become a selfless versus selfish and recalling and remembering? Because I think a lot of people are kind of here. They got to understand it's a process of waking up to their, if they have a near-death experience or a trauma Sometimes they're very related. I think working through the trauma when that opened up and I, and I, I did, I got lots of therapy. I would constantly, I spent oh, so much money on me that, I, you know, when you're young, you have no money. I just spend it on therapy. You girl, like, man, like, you know, people like 10 years of intent, everything, you know, like everything out there, I was committed yeah. to that. Oh yeah. That's what I did. And I always put so, and then, so as, as I opened the layers of the onion, the trauma came off, I would see more of the NDE because it was stuck underneath there. It was wedged under like a rock. And so as that became there, my, my core personality began to come out of who I really was, which I was just really, um, I was kind of sweet and innocent, you know, but I, it, I didn't feel it was safe to be that because I, I, I got abused, you know, and I got talked to terribly. So I didn't think it was safe to be that person. So, and, and imagine if I feel that way, what about people in this world? They, they don't, 
they don't feel safe to come out being who they are. So that part of my purpose now is uh, to completely look like a fool. So people can say, hey, you can do that too. <laughs> I mean, just be yourself, you know, just, you know, don't, don't be perfect. Just, just, you know, it's okay to have an opinion. Just be you, but, uh, and don't worry about other people. You know, you don't, you, and that comes up with Jesus a lot. What did he say? Cast your worries to me, but don't cast stones to your neighbors. Ooh. So, so yeah. I feel safe because of those experiences. We know that God loves us. We know that Jesus loves us. We know we are loved. And, and if you have a strong enough mission, you don't really care what other people think because you're like, I'm there for the ones who get it. I'm there for the ones whose lights right. are turned on. I'm there for the ones right. who are going to heal. Right. Well, and you know, I've seen you bounce back. I mean, like, what can I say? Life isn't easy. You know, we don't have, we don't have like a, a special, I don't know, uh, an extra engine because we have a near-death experience. We have a, maybe a perspective, but the way I look at it, we're all from heaven. We're trying to get people. I feel like the guy, and what is it, that, that pod, the body snatchers where he's trying to wake people up and go, they're here, they're here. I'm trying to wake people up and go, look, heaven's real. God loves you. Come on, get on with this life. We're not here that long. Hurry up. And, and to let, let people know that what are they trying to reach perfection? There is no such thing. Just be yourself. I mean, there's, there's beauty and being imperfect. And Jesus comes to me a lot. He loves talking about flowers. He loves flowers. It's come up in so many readings. Oh my God. He loves flowers. For example, he sees people as lots of beautiful little flowers, all different colors. And he said, how boring would it be if they were all just daisies? But if you have Gerber daisies and roses and African violets and Easter he said, it's so interesting. And that's how he sees us. It's just so interesting. And we make him laugh too. He's got a, a, got a sense of humor as well. But um, this world is, it's not there. It's not heaven the way it should be. But I think with this pandemic and so forth, even though it's awful, it's traumatic. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's horrific, but if there were a good thing to come out of it, um, I think it's a time of deep reflection and it, and I, and I, I've been getting a lot of messages and I can tell you, God knows exactly what's going on and nothing okay. happens or has ever happened that he, that if it, that, that he doesn't allow to happen. So what does that mean? Well, the people that passed, I don't know, maybe there was an agreement. Again, did I agree to be molested? No, but maybe I agreed to understand and be, have, uh, understand uh, people that have been through things. And I do. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that. Here's my little bit of levity around this. Like, I do believe that everything is fine as soon as we leave the body and that there's nothing to fear and death. Immediately. And generally, you know, if you're meant to go, you're meant to go. Like generally that's some sort of contract and stay there. But my little joke is like, I really do not want to die if someone just forgot to wash their damn hands. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, here's the thing that always got, got me. And it's funny, people think, they probably do think of that because I'm thinking, what about if you, uh, you know, you, you uh, are eating and like mama Cass and you choking a chicken bone or something. I mean, you know, I'm like, that's embarrassing. Or you, somebody comes over and you look terrible that day. I mean, you're like, you know, come on, give me at least a dignified death, you know? Uh, but, uh, but, you know, but reality, you're right. It is quick. But I think that what's happening now is that we're reflecting 
about really why are we here? And I, one of the biggest reasons is, well, I see two. Number one is God gave you life. He loves you so much. He gave you life right now. And you agreed to it to be here right now. So it's up to us to create joy in our life. And I have to work on that too, because I've been, you know, very upset about this whole thing. Joy. And I think the other thing is that as for myself, looking at uh, reflecting times that I've wasted on things that are not really important. It's really the love that we have for one another. And uh, money and time, I, I look back and, and I see waste. And so that's a, that's a really key point that I hope a lot of people are reflecting on. You see it too? Are yeah. you seeing that moments of, uh, I feel like a squirrel gathering nuts. Like, why do I need to run so many errands? <laughs> like, now that I have it, I'm going, why am I doing that? What a time waster. I'm so scared. Yeah, how much time have I wasted running here, running there? Yeah, do I, I need to list and do it on Sunday? And, you know, right. Do I, why do I need to go to Starbucks or do this all the this and that all the time? I mean, so I think that I'm looking at time wasters and, and also uh, trying to hold my time more sacred, which is self-love. And it, it all ends up being, you know, self-love. And that's one of the things, I guess, for me, uh, looking at all this. And then, uh, and one of the things I wanted to mention, you know, a lot of the near-death experiencers come back with some kind of after effect, uh, whether it's prophetic messages, healing abilities, expert with numbers. Now they can do numbers, numbers, or they can play several musical instruments or whatever it is they do. With me, you know, I was always a talker. So, you know, <laughs> I talk to people all the time in spirit and all the time. Um, so, but what I get, not only with the, just the medium stuff, um, the channeling to me is very sacred with Jesus because he means a lot to me, but communicating for us that the spirit people, what I get, you know, they're fine. Is the people here, a recurring theme for me and there's no judgment. But I just see so many people are just so down on their self and they have so little self-love that I could give so many detailed evidential messages, the toothbrush of the soul and so the book. And the end of the day, it's the same message. It's like the spirit people, their loved ones are trying to tell them to love themselves, be kind. You're not yes. here that long. Take this life precious. And so yes. to me, I'm kind of, I'm not saying I'm moving out of mediumship, but I'm, I'm more is something bigger going on here than that because it's the same message i want to hit replay button now i am getting that same thing like love yourself and what is so fascinating is i think we're kind of all collectively whether we realize it or not going through somewhat of a near-death experience together because at least the after effects are going to start filtering through society in some ways because i think about that time after my near-death experience i was stuck in a body cast in bed for a year, but when I came yeah, back I to society, oh my God, I was in love with every bite of food I bought at a restaurant. I was in love with every person <laughs> I saw. I was like, the trees, the spirit. More than you are now? I can't yeah, imagine that. Oh yeah, it was like people thought I was high or something. Because I would like <laughs> stand and look at a tree, you know, for hours. But I think we're all gonna come out of this and we're gonna manifest better because we've had this time to med meditate and look at our lives and look at ourselves right. and to get rid of the distractions. People right. are dreaming. I don't know if you've had yes. dreams like this, but our whole past are coming back to us. What is our mission? And we're collectively coming yes. together to go, 
what do we do now? And I really have a feeling a lot of us are going to do it better. No, I I agree. And you know, what's funny in the, in the beginning, and I don't know how you are with this, but I wasn't able to sleep at all. I mean, I mean, just forget about it. I would go to bed. I would wake up three hours wide awake. And then I go back and it was just horrible. And then I felt like people are talking to me and then some people say, yeah, it's a download from heaven. I'm not saying no, because they always talk to me over there, but, uh, and they talk to everyone who's willing to listen to heaven, the other side, team heaven, team God. But I think it's more than that. I think that we secretly all love one another (laughs) around the world. We secretly do. And we secretly know one another because we've lived together forever. And so at night we're like, how you doing? How are you doing? Hey, you need any help? And I think we're meeting in the ethernet. We're meeting and we're, you know, we're, 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 we're coming together as one, as we do on the other side. And it, and it, we're making new human kind agreements in the ethernet of night. We're making new agreements and a better one because uh, like you had mentioned when we did that thing together uh, with the ND feedback on the coronavirus, but the, um, you know, yeah, I mean, look at planet earth. We haven't treated that well. Look at the animals, look at each other, look at all the, look at the perversions going on in life. You know, it's not okay to have perverts running around and kids in the neighborhood, you know, there's a balance. It's all, and it's about love and respect. So I think we're coming into a new agreement. And uh, what I have noticed where I am is that people have been really nice to one another and respectful and I'm really kind of shocked that there, I thought for sure, I like ran out and bought all the bullets they had. You know, I thought, <laughs> sorry, I'm still a little this much of a skeptic and I'm all ready for the riots. I'm like, okay, come on. You know, I'm not going to be a victim. And then everybody's been so nice and I'm so impressed. Yeah, in general. Yeah. And I think we missed each other's presence. We missed what was, you know, normal to us. And so I totally agree that we've been meeting in the, the ethernet out there. And I, I think it was Ingrid Honkala. She was talking about how maybe oh, her. her soul is split into other people, perhaps. And I was like, I don't know if we are I'll just... Again, her soul split. Um, yeah, there could be soul sharing. Yeah, I definitely. I think that that happens when you love someone, right? Because when you uh-huh. love someone, part of you is always a little bit with them. You know, think uh-huh. about romantically when you love someone, right? Yeah. Like a partner or a spouse, part of your soul is a little bit with them all the time. And that is a, uh, and you're, you're usually both people are okay with that. Yeah. And so I could see that. I think it's like that. I feel like that it's not just deep compassion, but I think it's a union. It's kind of like this. I remember I've done a lot of past life. I've done like 300 hours of past life. And one of the ones I ran was Nazi Germany. And I was not Jewish. I was married to a Jewish person and I was um, uh, uh, Italian. And without going into the whole thing, uh, and I ran the same thing several times. Like it kept coming up in detail, but bottom line, I'm I'm married to the guy that I'm married to now. Uh, But he, is he Jewish this time? No, but he does know a lot of Jewish stuff, which is really funny. (laughs) He knows a lot of Hebrew and he shouldn't know that, but he does. But anyway, Um, but we, the whole star, the star that we put on us and the whole breaking of the glass, I didn't know that was a thing. That was something that came through in my thing. But when they accelerated us and put us in this oven and our bodies melted together, because it was in the women's group, we as souls went above all the accelerators. And usually, you know what it's like when you, when you, 
or out of your body, you're like, you could care less. It's like an old tissue. It's just like, you know, it's just like, I don't, done. You don't yeah. care. But when this day, because it was a crime to humanity, we hovered and we decided we will not let this happen again. We will not let this atrocity because there are certain things that are worse than say dying. But usually you don't care when you die. Usually you go right on and whatever, but we made a soul agreement that we will not let this happen again. And I think that's the kind of soul agreements that we're making at night when we travel. And that's why we're all so freaking exhausted that we might want to make a better world. And it's through love that we're going to not let it happen. And it's sometimes yes. hard. It's, it's really one of the hardest things to do. But if you can reach someone who seems unlovable, who seems like on a bad path, if you can reach them with love, then you have changed the trajectory of their life and every life they encounter from that point forward. And that's, it's hard work, but it's good work. It's hard work. It's funny. I asked one time, and it's funny you say that because you think, it's easy to love people that are lovable like you, but when you're a jerk and, and you know, but seriously, it's hard to like sell, you know, the grouch, the negative person, you know, how do you do that? So I remember one time doing reading and I gave all this extra time. I was really nice to the family. I went, I drove out of town. I mean, it was like, it was a few years ago. And the woman just was vicious to me. And even the mother and the daughters were like, please don't be mean to her anymore. And I actually remember getting in the car and it was like, so a beautiful reading and detail. It was just, she was just mean. I got in the car, I'm driving home. And I remember in the country and I drive, I have an hour ride and I'm crying in the car and I'm talking to Jesus. And I'm like, why did I even do this? She was so mean to me. And I was given so much of myself and I was trying to connect her with her brother that had passed. And the others were, why is that? And Jesus responded, not that he's like Netflix and I can download him at any second, but he usually is right there when I ask, but he did. He started responding. I was very upset. And he said, people come to you with change wherever they are. And I went, you mean like a jerk? And he goes, yes. And, and I said, well, I thought when people are ready for a spiritual awareness, they were like, wow, I really need a change or humble themselves. And he started laughing. He thought that was funny. He said, no, I've seen people beg, cry, and cuss me. And I'm like, wow. So he was saying, don't think that didn't, that, that my kindness, I was very kind to the family and stayed long, that that didn't change that person. You might have set her on a course. He said, you've done your work, now go on. But he mm -hmm. said, people come to their spiritual awareness at different tone levels and different, where, I mean, they could be cussing me out the door, you know, and they could still it still could affect them later. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how he was him because uh, it, that's when it's tough is to love people that don't give you that love back. But you know that what I do is I try to look in people's eyes and see God in their eyes, that spark of God in their eyes. It's there, you know, like most of the time you can see some spark, even if it's far away, you know, like down a tunnel, it's there, it's there, it's there. It's and a I tunnel, <laughs> you have to look, bring a flashlight, there it is. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's there. Um, well, this has been amazing, and I want to remind people to check the links below so that they can see Jesus Speaks on Sundays and join um, Tamara's groups and connect with her. And I am going to start uh, putting forth the third annual Near Death Experience Summit. So please look 
forward to that in late August. Um, just gathering speakers at the moment, but thank you so much for talking with thank me. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, it's it's wonderful. Thank you so much for what you do and having me. Much love and many blessings to you. You too.